I'm going to start off today by asking a uh, asking a, a question. I, I don't have no idea if this is true of anyone, but is there anyone here today that is married to their to to their first girlfriend? I mean, they're literally their very first girlfriend. Maybe in like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Any, anyone here? Your first girlfriend that you had, you're married to that person, Bruce. How about Sandy? You too, or okay? But 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 Bruce is she played the field for a while, and then that's amazing. I had no idea if there would be anyone that was married to their first girlfriend. So let me ask you. Let me ask you a uh, another question. So so let me ask this of the guys first. Do you, guys, do you remember the name of your first girlfriend? I see some uh, heads nodding, so let me ask this question. Does your wife know the name of your first girlfriend? So, so I'm gonna, I didn't tell her why I was gonna do this. She's sitting in the back with grandkids, so, but, but Rita, do you know the name of my first girlfriend? Not even close. That, she, she did that. That was a zinger on me, so thank you. You got even with me, but, but, so, so real answer. You don't. Okay. The name of, you, you, you actually do. My first girlfriend was. Uh, <laughs> when she saw me, it was like she got struck by lightning. Uh, I should have ran this by her first and we could have rehearsed this. My, my first girlfriend was a, a, a little cute blonde, cur- curly blonde haired girl named Tammy Crouch. You knew that, right? Oh, Tam- Tammy Crouch. I, in fifth grade, Tammy Crouch moved into our school district, and she was this cute, cute little blonde-haired girl. And and I was in fifth grade too, and I was a real looker. Did, did, did I say looker? I meant loser. I, I I was scrawny, and I wore glasses, and I had big ears. My my ears were the same. I still have big ears, but they were this big in fifth grade, and my head wasn't nearly as big back back then. Uh, I wasn't much to look at, but man, I was sweating. Uh, I was spitting with. Tammy Crouch. Now I can tell you that story today, and and I, uh, I I don't feel bad at all because because my wife is much. I hope no one in Illinois is listening. If my sister Mindy watches this, don't share. Uh, I uh, uh, my, my wife is much more beautiful than Tammy Crouch, aren't you, Rita? She knows that she is. Uh, but in fifth grade, I hadn't met Rita yet, and I was smitten with Tammy Crouch, but I was way. I was way too scared to approach her. There was no way I was going to summon uh, the courage to ask her to be my girlfriend, or as as we did back then, ask her to go to go out. Now I don't know what what that meant because the only thing we went out to was maybe to the playground and maybe we went out to the lunch table and sat together. We really didn't do anything, but but I had an ace in the hole. I had a twin sister who just happened to also be in fifth grade. And so, so I asked my sister, Mindy, Mindy, would you, would you, how lame is this? Would you ask Tammy if she would go out with me? And uh, a little bit later, Mindy came up to me and shocked me when she said, Tammy said she will. So I, I was going out with the prettiest girl in school. I was thrilled. I was excited. I was on cloud nine for about 23 hours. 
because the next day, about an hour earlier than this, uh, uh, Tammy broke up with me. Life can, life can be cruel, can it? Uh, fast forward about 10 years. I'm a sophomore in college, and, and uh, my, my ears are, are big, but my head's finally grown into them a, a little bit, uh, and, and I'm a real, okay, I'm still a loser, but, but I'm not as dorky as I was in fifth grade. And I met and became smitten with this beautiful brown-haired, brown-eyed beauty. And I wanted nothing, nothing more than to go out with her, to, be, to have her be my girlfriend. And, and this time going out meant a real date. I mean, going out to eat and going to a movie and that type of stuff. The, the problem was I was scared to ask her out. And, and my sister Mandy was back in Illinois, and I couldn't get her to come visit. And my roommate Dan said, no way, I'm going to ask Rita out for you. And uh, so... So, so I, I had to somehow come up with it. I was scared to death the whole time. In fact, it took me two or three days to, 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 to summon the courage to finally approach her because I just knew she was going to turn me down. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Bruce, did you feel that when you asked Sandy out? Yeah. Yeah. What grade were you in? Over. Gene, okay, yeah, you, you were suave and swift, debonair by then. So, uh, but, but some of us know what that's like, being afraid to be rejected. Now, now this morning, I want to contrast that emotion. Some of you know what it is. Maybe some of you don't. But I want to contrast that emotion, that feeling, and that, that uncertainty with what the book of Hebrews teaches us about how we can approach God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to finish up the the sermon that we've been on for three weeks here in Hebrews chapter 4. Let me read the, the verses for you. If you have your uh, Bible open there, if not, there's a Bible in the, the pew back in front of you. Hebrews chapter 4, let me read verses 13 to 16, and, and there it says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We talked about that um, Uh, A while back. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach, and this is the verse we're going to be looking at today, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, we, we've looked at from this text, first of all, that Jesus shares, shares our humanity. He came to earth, became just like us so, so that he could understand, he could empathize with us, he could, he could feel what we feel uh, when it comes to, to knowing what it's like to be tempted. And then he also shares his divinity with us. We, we looked last week from verse 13 that God is all-knowing. And, and we can see that a couple ways. We can't hide. Definitely, that, that, that verse tells us we can't hide from God. Nothing we do is unseen by him. But that's not really how he wants us to take that. Instead, he wants us to take it this way, that we can't fail. How can we fail? In particular, as we contrast that with what he says in verses 14 to 16, because Jesus came to earth. So even though we're sinners, and even though God knows all that we've done, he shares God's divinity and his divinity with us. He understands what it's like. So so today, uh, let's look at two more ways that this impacts us, the, the fact that, that Jesus shares 
his divinity. Here's here's the first one. It's pretty obvious. It's right there in the in the text in verse 16. God is uh, approachable. God is approachable. Let me read verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. See, God is approachable. The the first sermon I preached on this series a few weeks ago, I made a distinction. It's a little test here. See if you get this right. I made a distinction about this book. I, I said this book was written to a a, uh, a certain group of, of people, a certain group of Christians. Says, do, do you remember what, what type of Christian this was written to? Jewish Christians. I, I could hear a couple people saying, this book was written to Jewish Christians. So Jewish Christians were believers who, who had converted to, to becoming followers of, uh, of Jesus. They, they had been raised as Jews. So their relig- religious heritage was bound up in, in in uh in rules and in fe- uh, festivals in traditions that's all they knew about what it was to be a believer and and so it was written to to them now let me read a a, a verse now it really doesn't have a lot to do with what we're saying today except I want to borrow the the terminology Galatians 3:27 says this for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So when we become a Christian, a Christian, we we put on Christ. It's like we're putting a set of clothes on. We clothe ourselves with Christ. So so let me ask if you'll do this. If you will, for for a minute, try to clothe yourself in the mindset of a Jewish Christian. Now, I know that that's that's a little bit tough for us because we're not. We, we have a little bit of knowledge of Jewish tradition. We we read our Bible, so we understand a little bit of that. But but uh, but try to clothe yourself in their in their mindset and how they would have thought about God in particularly when he says, Hey, approach God with, uh, with confidence, uh, t- to give you an idea what this looks like a little bit, turn, turn in the book of Hebrews over to chapter nine. Let me read the verse, uh, the first seven verses of chapter nine of Hebrews. So this will give us just a little bit of a history lesson, a little bit of a, a religious lesson on, on, a, uh, on Jewish tradition and on how they saw things. Uh, verse one of chapter nine. Now the first covenant, uh, that's the Old Testament covenant, had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were lamp, the lampstand, the table with its consecrated bed, Bread. This was called the holy place. Only priests could go into the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place or the holy of holies, uh, which had the golden altar of incense, the gold covered ark of the covenant. The ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded and the stone tablets of the covenant. So the 10 commandments above the ark were the cherubim of the, the, uh, the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we can discuss these things in detail. We can't discuss these things in detail now. Uh, When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered the regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest. Remember, we we pointed out that Jesus, uh, oftentimes in the book of Hebrews, is going to be called the high priest, our high priest. But only the high priest entered the inner room and that only once a year and never without blood which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed in their ignorance a jewish christian had grown up ingrained with the mindset and 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 let me just toss this out here it it actually isn't part of our teaching 
we, we, we don't ever teach that uh, from the pulpit. I don't teach it from the pulpit. I don't think it's taught in our Sunday school classes. When we gather as, as groups, in, in, I don't think we ever teach this. And yet somehow, uh, I think it's because of Satan, it gets ingrained in us sometimes. We, we, we sometimes think just like a Jew. See, see a, a Jew would have been ingrained with the mindset that they didn't have access to God. And their only way to God was through an intermediary, and in this case, the, the high priest. It was plainly taught that they did not have access. You, you couldn't just stroll into the presence of God whenever you wanted. The only one that could literally approach God with any sense of confidence, and, and not really even that, was the high priest, and that was only once a year. Now, let me, let me illustrate this way. I have... I've been in a courtroom, a court of law, three times in my life. Uh, all three times were a happy occasion, uh, not not difficult, not sad at all. Uh, the first time I entered in a court courtroom was when my daughter uh, Crystal and I, uh, when my daughter Crystal was adopted by by her mom Rita and and I. The second time was when Crystal adopted her son Caden. We went to Iowa and we were in the courtroom. And the third time was a year ago. So a little over a year ago in Lemworth, Kansas, and I was in the courtroom when Bobby and Carrie adopted the, the three littles. Now, now I never saw, I never saw this written on the wall. No, no one said, Hey, this is the rule. This is the regulation. Don't break this. But, but I picked up on it fairly quickly, fairly immediately. And I, I, I took it serious. I had no intention of, of pressing the issue on this. You see, when I walked in all three of those courtrooms, one St. Joe, one Leavenworth, one in, in, uh, uh, in Iowa, there was, all three of them had some type of barrier, some type of, uh, of little, little wall or something that separated the judge from the rest of us. Now, and again, no one said, hey, you can't cross that barrier. But, but I kind of knew that I wasn't supposed to. I kind of knew that that I didn't have the right to jump over that barrier and go up and talk to the judge and ask him how he was doing or or or, or plead my. I knew that that was there to keep me on one side and him or her on the other side. See, Jewish Christians understood that's how they would have seen it that God God was off somewhere in heaven. He was off away from them, and there was a a wall a uh, a, a, a barrier there there was a divide that kept them from him and there was no way that they personally could cross that divide to be with God now uh, Reed and I neither one can remember this and I didn't get a chance to call Crystal and ask her so I, we, we don't know that this happened at Crystal's adoption but it did at Caden's adoption and it did uh, with Bobby and Carrie after the after the the, the judge uh hit the gavel or whatever they did and said, Hey, it's official. You're stuck with them now. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, certain days, uh, when they, when they say, Hey, the Dobson's official, they, they now have your last name in, in both those cases, the, the wall went down. I, I remember with, with Caden, we crossed that barrier, the op- open, the little gate. And we walked up to the judge to take pictures. Same thing with, with, uh, um, with Bobby and Carrie. In, in fact, in both cases, I remember the judge came down from their throne, if you will, and, and met us there. See, imagine the impact on a Jewish, 
a Jewish Christian who who always thought that I, I can't I can't approach God. God's off there. Someone else has to do it for me. Imagine the impact when they realized that they could go to God. See, God, God is approachable. And, and we actually, in the text, we see two details from that. Number one, number one, we have access. Let us then approach God's throne. So, so we have access. When Jesus died on the cross, it's recorded for us in, in two of the gospels. When Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the literal moment that he breathed his last breath, there was a barrier that separated uh, us from him, a barrier that separated us from God's throne that was torn apart. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. That moment, the curtain of the temple. So the, the, the curtain would have been talking about the curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, the holy place from the most holy. So, so the place where God's presence was was physically and the high priest entered when Jesus died. The moment he died, that curtain was torn from top, uh, from from uh, top to bottom, and 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 it represented that we could go to God. Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five verses one and two says this to us. Romans five one and two says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained. There's that word again access by faith into his grace in which we now stand and in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 says for through him we both have there's that word access to the father by one spirit when I was a when I was a kid I I rarely ventured out of Jefferson County Illinois uh, in fact, we lived about the middle of the county, and 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 I rarely, rarely made it out of my my home county. Occasionally, I would venture into Washington County. My grandparents lived only a couple miles from Washington County, and and sometimes I would end up in Irvington, Illinois, or Centralia, Illinois, or or even Nashville, Illinois, on occasion, and that was in Washington County. But but really, other than that, I I, I was pretty much stuck in Jefferson County, except. A couple times a summer when dad would load up the family truckster and we would, we would drive to St. Louis and go to a Cardinals baseball game. And I remember dad's uh, always bought, of course, he's taken six kids and, and mom and I, uh, and uh, he and, and, and mom and sometimes some other, other cousins or friends. And, and so we always got tickets in the upper deck, but, but we would get settled into our seats and, and dad, would buy a hot dog and maybe a drink and we would, we would do that. And, and then I would get up and I can't believe they let, well, I can't believe they let me do this, but, but that I would just get up and wander around the stadium for three or four innings. I, I think their thought was, well, if as long as he's back here by the bottom of the eighth, we're happy. And if he's not here at the bottom of the ninth, well, we've got five others. We're, we're good. I, I don't know, but, but I literally would just get up and I would wander around. If any been an old bush stadium, there, there was never every, anyone in the upper, upper deck out in the in center field but I, I remember popping out out there and looking from that from from, from the upper deck out. I wandered all around the state and I'd go down in that lower area and wander all around except there was one thing that that you couldn't do in, in old bush stadium you couldn't get down to the to the seats that were called the box seats the lower level there, there was there was walkways down there but at every walkway that would 
enter into those. And I don't remember now if it's the last 10 rows or 15 or 20, but it was the rows that went all the way down the field. There, there was a guy with a red coat standing there. And, and, and more than once I tried to just, you know, be taking a drink of my Coke and walk on by, but they would stop you and let me see your ticket, sir. And then I'd turn and run back to the upper deck where I belonged. But, but, but a few years later, when I was in high school, I ponied up the money one time for, for box seats. And I remember walking in, I remember walking in and, and I, I walked up to that and, and the guy, it's almost like the guy recognized me. I don't know if it was the ears, the glasses, the, 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 dorky bangs I had or what it was, but, but, but he sat there, he stood there with his arms crossed, kind of like, I remember you. You're that kid that kept trying. And, and oh, he was just getting ready to say, you can't enter when I, when I popped out my box ticket seat or box seat ticket, excuse me. And, and he stepped aside and granted me access. We, we, because Jesus came to earth, shared our humanity, shared his divinity, we have access we have access to god god is approachable the second detail it's right there in the text the second detail is we have confidence let us approach god's throne now uh throne of grace now 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 we we probably realize we can do that but but do we realize how we can do that we we understand okay yeah i can go to god but do we realize how we do it let us approach god's throne of grace with confidence you see that's not how i approached tammy crouch in fact i didn't approach her at all my sister did (laughs) that's not how i approached rita to ask her out on her first date i was scared to death she's gonna surely turn me down but we we approach god with confidence the the greek word there for confidence that may not make sense but I'll, i'll explain it the Greek word there for confidence means, or, or literally is translated, full story. Full story. In, in, in Bible times, Old Testament times particularly, the, uh, the, the elders of the city, the men of the city would go sit at the city gates and, and they would gather there and at the city gates they would talk about politics and talk about life and, and probably just talk about women too. I, you know, they, but they would gather together and they would, would talk at, at the, at the city gates. But, but it was only the men. The, the women weren't allowed and certainly children weren't uh, allowed there. And so this idea of confidence meant someone that could go to the city gate and talk and tell their full story. So I, you, you showed up at the city gate and you could say what you wanted to say and they would hear and they would listen. When I was a kid in our, in our hometown of Woodlawn, we had a, a barber shop. It was across the tracks from my house down about two buildings. Uh, George Tinsley's barber shop. George's barber shop was open every night from, I don't know, about six to ten and, and on, uh, on Saturdays. And, uh, and until I was probably about junior high, that's where I got my haircut. I, I remember the first time mom finally talked dad out of making me go to the barber shop because George knew two haircuts. He knew a burr, or, or excuse me, he knew a burr, which was just really what I have now, a, a bald burr, but you know, you just buds it all off, and he knew the flat top. You could do the flat top with just a little bit of hair sticking here, then a little bit higher. That's the only two haircuts that George knew, and that's the only haircuts that, that he did. So 
so, so I remember up until I was junior high going to, uh, to, to Tinsley's Barbershop. And usually when you walked in there, said, Dad says I've got to get a haircut. There there were some guys sitting in the chairs in the barber, uh, barbershop. Sometimes there was a guy, actually it was my uncle, Jeep Clark. And, and there's another guy, guy guy my dad worked with, Blue Trout. And, and another guy, actually he was a step-uncle of mine named Pup Poorman. Uh, I, and I knew, yeah, those were actual names there. Uh, I, I knew where my place was. When I went and I sat in the chair, I was to be, I was to be quiet. If someone asked me a question, if they asked me about baseball or if I had a girlfriend or depending on if it was the right day, I could have said Tammy Crouch, but uh, that was a short window. Uh, uh, otherwise I, I didn't talk. But if my dad walked in and, uh, and, and Jeep and Blue and Pup looked up and, Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Dad could have full story. He could talk with confidence. See, God is approachable. We, we don't have to crawl on our hands and knees with our head down. Now, now we should reverence God and we should realize that he's holy. I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand that at all. But because of what Jesus did, we can approach God with the confidence knowing that he hears our full story. So, so God is all knowing. God is approachable. And our last impact is this. God is available. We can approach the throne of grace and we have to, we we don't have to go through someone else. We don't have to go through a, a priest. We don't have to go through a preacher. We don't have to go through a parent. We can all approach the throne of grace and he is available. And when we do, we find acceptance. Notice what he says there. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And now see what we receive when we get there so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We we find acceptance. Sometimes we get this misguided idea that, when we approach God's throne, it's like we're we're drugged there. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't know if any of you ever uh, now. Th- this would be us older people. We can't you know can't do that now. Teachers can't do this now. But but when I was growing up, if if you got in trouble in school, I, I never happened to me. But I saw more than once a, a teacher grab a student by the ear and drag him down the hallway. So I hear. Um, Literally, I, that did not happen to me. But drag them down the hall by the ear uh, to the the principal's office. To the Bruce, did that ever happen to you? I was going to say, yeah, yeah. And she went out with you anyway. So okay, good. good. Uh, sometimes we have that misguided idea that yeah, I can approach the throne, but it's but it's only when I'm guilty. And we think of we think God is someone who towers over us and rails on us, pointing out our many failures and. Sh- now, don't get the wrong idea. God, God is not a, a grandpa that laughs at our sin. He doesn't, he doesn't say boys will be boys and let, come on in the kitchen, let me get you a cookie. God, no, God is not happy. Catch this. God's not happy when we sin. He, he knows that the consequences of sin cause a separation from him. And he abhors We approach him with a humble heart, longing for a relationship with him. He accepts us. And and what this verse tells us 
He accepts us and offers mercy for our past sins and grace for our future sins. See, God is available and we find acceptance. And and catch this, we also find assistance. We, we, We will find, we may receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Uh, it's been a number of years ago. We were in Mexico uh, with uh, the church at Rushville. It was before we were working with with Casas Per Cristo. And we were uh, working in the Zaragoza area of Anapra. So those of you that have gone and know where Anapra is, Zaragoza is uh, the far east section. If you went straight east along the border, you'd come to Zaragoza. And we were working on a church, and we were putting up siding on this church. And, and my friend Dave Colburn was was uh, standing on this this block wall uh, helping out with the 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 uh, the siding and the wall that he was standing on began to crumble it just started giving away and Dave fell back and as I remember it he fell back and and kind of got caught in a tree which kept him from falling all the way to the ground he got kind of got caught up in the tree and so when we saw this we all just immediately began to laugh and uh once we stopped laughing and dave stuck there his feet trying to trying to grab hold of that wall but it keeps falling crumbling more and more away and and stuck where he i mean he's stuck he's not gonna do anything until finally uh one of the guys on the trip who was standing on that wall too but he was on a little more secure area a guy named glenn black glenn reached down and grabbed dave's hand and pulled him back to safety. See, when God sent Jesus to share our humanity and share his divinity, he was reaching down to earth. And sometimes we find ourselves standing on a wall that is crumbling. And we have no way to save ourselves. We cry out. And we find help in our time of need. See, God is both approachable and available. When my kids were playing sports, um, I I didn't always respond the correct way. There there were probably one of the things that embarrasses me most most about parenting is some of the ways I responded to my kids and some of the lectures I gave them and uh, mistakes I pointed out to them uh, uh, as they they played. But there, there was one time there was one time that I remember, and maybe this might have been the only time, there's one time I remember getting it right. Uh, Brian was a senior. Joel was a junior in high school. They were playing uh, playing for the, uh, the sectional championship, uh, just two wins away from going to the state basketball tournament. Uh, ten seconds la- left in the game. We're down by uh, two points. And Joel, who hadn't been in the game, normally he played quite a bit, but hadn't been in the game at all, got inserted into the game with 10 seconds left. We had the ball. We, we went down the floor, and, and, and they were covering Brian, who was one of the better players on the team. There was no way they were going to let him take the shot, and they were covering Chuck Slater because they weren't going to let Chuck take the shot. And, and two other starters had the ball in their hand with opportunities to shoot, but, but, but they didn't. And they ended up passing it to Joel as the time was running out, and and Joel took a three-point shot that would have, had it gone in, won the game. He would have been the hero. I would have been the proudest dad in the world. The shot was online, but came up just a little bit short, clanked off the rim, fell down, game over, we lose. 
I remember he was heartbroken at, when the game was over. really wasn't his fault. I mean, he, he was only played 10 seconds, and the other two guys didn't take the shot. But, but I remember going up to him after the game, and, and I don't know what he thought I might have said. Maybe he might have assumed I was going to say, Joe, you didn't get your elbow quite under enough. If you had your elbow under when you shot, you'd have made that. Or maybe he thought I was going to say, Joe, you, you didn't snap your wrist. You didn't have enough rotation. You didn't, Joe, you didn't follow through. Joe, you should have dribbled in a little closer and just hit the tying shot, not the winning shot. But, but I might have surprised him and I might have surprised myself when I said, Joe, I'm proud of you. You had the courage to take the shot. We approach many times the throne of grace and we've missed the shot. We've missed the mark. We've failed in some way. But we find mercy and we find grace. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that Jesus came to earth to share our humanity and his divinity. And Father, we thank you that we can approach approach you yes in awe yes realizing your great power realizing that you're the author of all things the creator of the world but we can approach with confidence and know that we have your ear father we pray this morning as people are here and and every one of us have approached you and come today with different things on our hearts maybe some of us have some sin that we're struggling with and we're afraid to share it with you well you already know or maybe we're here today and we we messed up in a huge way and we think that you're ashamed of us and and yet we can find help father help us help us learn this lesson that we can approach with confidence we can approach with confidence in jesus name Amen.